wonderful praise. We are uh, beginning a new series that uh, actually next week we will take one week out of because uh, we're going to focus on Ukraine uh, next week, which uh, I'm very much looking forward to. But uh, I want you to turn to James chapter 3. But in introducing the series, I'm going to read to you first from Luke, and this series will also be coming from Matthew. But in Luke 11, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And that's where we're headed. We're going to be looking uh, for the next number of weeks at uh, the Lord's Prayer, line by line, and uh, listen to uh, the model that He gave to us to know how to pray. But in introducing that, I want to deal with first an issue. If you have ever prayed, you have experienced unanswered prayer. I want to tell you that I'm not afraid of unanswered prayer. And I'm not going to let unanswered prayer cause me to be afraid to pray or cause me to pray less or discourage me or frighten me away from asking boldly. Now today, I'm going to tell you why I'm not afraid, and I hope you will find yourself in that position as well in James chapter 3, and we're doing a great study on James in, uh, on Wednesday night, but I just want us to look at this portion, verse 17. It says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have. So you murder, you covet, you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, as we bow before you, 
we would ask that you would teach us from your word. We would ask that you would teach us to pray and teach us about how we can pray according to your will. We look to you for this, and we ask that you'd help us to submit ourselves to you, focus upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Brian Chappell wrote a book uh, that I am, uh, I'll give you the, in a bibliography, I'm going to, throughout this series, give you various books that I uh, recommend that I, I have found helpful in terms of prayer. His book's called Praying Backwards, and he recounts uh, a story of Scottish pastor Eric Alexander, who was speaking of how back in the 1950s, three evangelical uh, ministers felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to pray that God would revive the Church of Scotland. If you know anything about the Church of Scotland, it, it needed revival. And so they, they felt compelled to do that. They met regularly. They prayed uh, for an increasing number of Bible-believing pastors uh, that God could use uh, within their denomination. And then, after praying together for some four years, they felt released from that prayer. And they stopped meeting for that specific prayer. They had not seen any of the results. They had not seen revival in the Church of Scotland. And they confessed to being disappointed with that, discouraged that that was the case, but all of them felt released from that prayer for some reason. So, what's the deal? Three godly men praying for something that surely God would, would want. Is it, is it even possible that they were praying for something outside of God's will? How could God possibly say no to that kind of a prayer? Well, as we consider this, those are all questions we can ask ourselves. We're going to talk about that big question, why doesn't God answer my prayers? Now, we need to be careful when we are dealing with that question, and especially when we're uh, dealing with various people. Uh, it's easy for... Uh, us to, to give what can come across as a, a trite answer to that, even an, an unsympathetic answer 
often when people ask uh, or ask what what are uh, the way God answers prayers, they say, "Well, God answers yes, no, and wait." Now, I have to admit that there's truth in that. That's not necessarily wrong or bad doctrine. But where we have to be careful is who we say that to and what their circumstances are. Because it can come across as some kind of a a formulaic answer. And you give that formulaic answer to a mother who is praying for the healing of her little child, and it will sound awful and uncaring. You give that answer to parents who have prayed for protection of their children and, and they lose one to an accident with a drunk driver. And it will come across as uncaring. Or the person praying for healing in their marriage that eventually ends in divorce and on and on and on. And you can maybe even give your own circumstances where if you had been given that answer, you would have said, well, that's cruel. So how do we deal with these? If you've ever been on the receiving end of a formulaic answer like that, you already know how it feels. C.S. Lewis said this, Every war, every famine or plague, almost every deathbed is a monument to a petition that was not granted. In other words, someone prayed that that would be prevented and it happened anyway. The problems made worse when we consider the, the, the promises to answers contained in the New Testament, especially we read uh, from Jesus, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it'll, it'll be yours. What a glorious promise that is. And there are some, and you can go home and turn your TV on today, and you will see some using that verse, who will use that to say, if you have enough faith, you ask for whatever you want, and you got it. We call that the health and wealth gospel. And preachers are filling up stadiums all over the world preaching that false gospel. So what does it mean then if that's not the case? Well, many people that are under that kind of teaching or that just take that verse and take it out of context of the rest of the teaching of of Scripture, then all of a sudden they ask for something and they don't receive it. And so the, the next answer is to point at them to say, well, obviously you don't have enough faith. So not only do they have the original problem that they're praying about, but then they have guilt that is heaped upon them, and they say, well, I guess I don't have enough faith because this can't be about God and His nature. 
So how do do we address it? Let me start by saying I don't know why a mother's prayers are not answered. A sincere prayer of a mother praying for healing for their child. Or a homeless person. Or the terminally ill. I don't know. And whatever solution we would come up with to try to understand those things would at best be partial because now we see through a glass darkly at best. Only in the age to come will we completely understand. But there are some hints and some things that God did reveal about this dilemma. So let's try to grapple with them for just a few minutes. Let's uh, first look at some of the hindrances to answered prayer. Psalm 66, 18 tells us that, that sin can hinder our prayers. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Now, I want, I want to be, and we've got to be very cautious with this, because I'm convinced this is, is talking about more than just saying, if I have unconfessed sin in my heart, then God's not going to listen. Because there's lots of dilemmas that would, would go along with that, if that were the case. If God doesn't listen to our prayer when we have unconfessed sin in our life, how can you ever confess sin? Right? So that can't be it. And the other side is that, is there ever a time where we don't have unconfessed sin in our our heart when we go to Him? And the answer is no. There's always some sin that we aren't aware of or we have overlooked. So it's not just talking about sin in in that way. We're always praying with unconfessed sin in our life. Well, some say it's just talking about deliberate disobedience. Well, almost all disobedience is deliberate. Let's face it, right? (laughs) You've made the choice. And so it's deliberate in that way. So, I mean, occasionally there is something that we do out of ignorance that is is wrong. But that can't be the right interpretation. So what's it mean? Well, sin by its nature separates us from God and interrupts our intimacy with Him. It dulls our spirit. This is talking about when we have gotten to the point where our hearts are so hardened and so we are neither asking rightly nor with right motives nor according to His will. It's living a life where our selfish sin is more important to us than seeking God and His way. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're having a relationship problem with a neighbor, and I'm going to use this literally as a neighbor. Jesus' definition of neighbor is, uh, is broader than I'm using. I'm saying 
Let's say your next door neighbor you're having a, a problem with. Now, you know you are to love your neighbor. You know you're to treat them right. God wants you to act lovingly toward your neighbor. But you choose not to. Maybe it's because of hurt feelings. Maybe even some thing that you can justify and uh, is, is literally there. You've been hurt and you, maybe you've even been wronged. But you know you should act lovingly toward them and God prompts you toward that and you refuse to. And then he prompts you toward that again and he convicts you again and you don't and you don't until each time he prompts you it's softer and it's easier to ignore until finally you're not hearing him at all because you've been hardened to that point. I'm convinced that's what Psalm 66 is talking about. When we have come to that point where we will not hear God, could we, should we ever expect that our prayers are all going to be answered? That He's going to hear us? The psalmist says that's a hindrance. When we are cherishing that kind of iniquity in our heart. Another hindrance is, was from our passage today in James 4, verse 2. It's simply not asking. You desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet, you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Now notice, James is giving several examples of ways they're trying to get what they, uh, what they want, what they think they, they need, and their illegitimate uh, ways of them seeking that instead of asking Him. Suppose we as a church frantically do everything in order to make the church grow. Contact newcomers, we welcome people, we have all kinds of advertising out there. We, we do all, we have everything in place to make the church grow. All those things are good. All those things are necessary. But suppose we never ask God. You didn't ask me. You don't have because you didn't ask. Another issue can be in, from that same passage, James 4.3, asking wrongly. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. What are your passions? Well, it could be being selfish. Now, does that mean we never ask anything for ourselves? No. But we must not use God as our uh, our little bellhop or room service for every comfort. 
and not expect that uh, he's going to drop everything in order to give us whatever our latest whim is. Another issue within that is even being too general. Now, that's an interesting problem. Some people pray in such a way that it is impossible for the prayer not to be answered. But it's also impossible to know whether it is answered. God bless our missionaries. Now, is that a good thing to ask for? Well, well, yeah, of course. I'm not going to stand here and tell you don't ask God to bless our missionaries. But you heard a, a prayer for our missionaries today that was specific, that was not just a general God, God, God bless them. And the problem would be if you just say God bless our missionaries, how do you know? when he's answered it, if you're not willing to be specific? Related question could be uh, uh, to why we so often pray in general terms, James 1.6, it can be a faith issue. We're, we're afraid that if we get too specific, he, he may not answer or say no. James 1.6, let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. It leads to a vicious cycle. We don't pray specifically because we don't think God can answer, or more likely, we're afraid he won't. And so we don't believe that he will answer, and then we don't pray specifically. As we pray, ask this question. Do I believe God can answer my prayer? And then the other question is, how will I know if he did? If you pray only general prayers, you won't know. And then, not praying according to the Father's will. 1 John 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. This is why uh, praying using Scripture is so much better than praying just on your own. Use Scripture as your guideline. You know that's God's will when you rightfully use Scripture. In your prayer, we need to understand that God always does what's best for His people. But sometimes, if we pray specifically, we're going to ask for something that isn't best for us. And in those cases, His grace and mercy cause Him not to answer in the way we've asked. C.S. Lewis again said, if God had answered all the silly prayers I've made in my life, where should I be now? Think about that. How many times, if God had answered your prayer the way you asked it, would you have been worse off? 
Or we may ask for something that is self-contradictory. God, give me patience now, 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 Lord. Well, that's not going to be answered ordinarily. Now, this is going to feel like a 90-degree turn from here to the end of the sermon. But now I'm going to tell you why I'm not afraid of unanswered prayer. Because Jesus is praying for me and all of his prayers are answered. Let's look at this, uh, Hebrews 4.15. Jesus is without sin. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. Sin and hardness of heart and wrong motives are never a problem when Jesus is praying. Because he doesn't have any of those. Those are not and never will be a hindrance when he prays for us. And then further, he prayed specifically. I, if you're looking at the outline, I didn't even put a, a verse by that because all you have to do is look at any prayer that Jesus prayed and you will see he prayed specifically. And then further, he asks, and he always asks according to the Father's will. Luke twenty two forty two. 42, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus always knows the Father's will. We can't say that. We know his revealed will in the Word of God. But Jesus knows his revealed will and his secret will as well. And we do not. So we need to get to know him better and get to know his will better and then be glad that he doesn't answer all our prayers the way we ask. P.T. Forsyth said, we shall come one day to a heaven where we shall gratefully know that God's great refusals were sometimes the true answers to our truest prayers. His great refusals sometimes are the true answers to our truest prayers. Let me challenge you to do something that maybe you've never done before. Thank God for the gift of unanswered prayer. Because what that will do is that will acknowledge that, Father, you are going to answer in the way that is best for me. It is showing your trust in him. Someone said, if you knew what God knows and is doing in our life, we would cheer him on. He's always going to do what's best. So the pressure's off. These are reasons I'm not afraid of unanswered prayer or prayers being answered the opposite of the way that I pray. Romans 8, who is 
to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. He is praying for you, and he knows the Father intimately. So you can't mess up by asking for the wrong thing. Now, don't, don't ask contrary to Scripture. But if you're his child, you're not going to mess up. So don't be afraid to ask and to ask boldly. Because he is not that little bellhop that if you ask for something, he's going to give it to you whether it's good for you or not. Instead, he is the father and the king of the universe that will only give to his children that which is best for them. Remember the three Scottish ministers that prayed for four years for revival and then stopped praying, felt released from it without seeing it answered? Twenty-five years after those four years were over, those same three ministers hosted a conference for Bible-believing ministers in the Church of Scotland who by that time had begun to fill the pastoral ranks. Roughly a third of the pastors of the Church of Scotland came to that conference. One of those three original pastors who had prayed for this increase asked for a show of hands, who of you were converted during those four years? And a number of them raised their hands. And then he said, how many of you were born during those four years? And almost all the rest raised their hands. God had answered their their original prayer that looked like at, at that moment there had been no response. But he answered it in a way that was best for his children and for his church. That's why the Holy Spirit released them at that point from their prayer compulsion after those four years. So Hebrews 4.15 Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So pray. Pray with confidence. Don't be afraid of unanswered prayer because even unanswered prayer is because of God's grace toward you. Let's bow together. Lord, will you will you enable us please to not be intimidated by unanswered prayer or by the possibility that you may say no? 
or you may grant the exact opposite of what we are praying. Lord, will you instead encourage us because we know that you will do what's best for your children and for your church and for your kingdom. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.